With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable when it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight essential medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z Rest easy knowing that their chief medical team, including Dr. Peter McCullough, stand behind every kit. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Don't take chances. Secure your family's health today with The Wellness Company. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. You know, every Monday I say, welcome to the show. I hope you have a good weekend. Uh, And note that I did. Well, I didn't, to be perfectly honest. A level of sadistic evil like that of these Islamic terrorists Uh, has not been common in history. As I write in my column that I'm writing for tomorrow's publication, the Nazis have a successor. Tragically, the word Nazi has become so overused, like the word racist, and so many other terms, misinformation, genocide, threat to democracy, existential threat. These terms should be reserved for the actual thing. Well, this is an actual thing. These are Nazis. I'll talk to you about the support that the Nazis have on the on the part of academics in the United States. And in case you were in doubt as to the moral cesspool the university has become, this should be proof. L.A. Times has a piece today calling, what is it, uh, the, 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 new, the, the, the new old nonsense of, you know, let, let, let all sides, you know, return to, uh, to a peaceful world. And I mean, it, it's the inability to recognize evil. Yeah, what is, here it is. Is there a sustainable path forward? Yeah. And what has happened is, should be clear to anyone who cares about truth. Hamas has inherited this generation's annihilate the Jew vision. I wrote a book 40 years ago, Why the Jews? It's in its third edition. If you want to understand what happened this weekend, read Why the Jews. Among other things, it has a chapter on Islamic anti-Semitism, which is a, a euphemism for Jew hatred, for Jew annihilation. And it has a chapter on anti-Zionism. This was the way in which the 
the world of those who wish to destroy the only Jewish state has hidden behind the fact that it is an, an annihilationist vision, exterminationist, to use a term that was coined with regard to the Holocaust. See, there is no hatred like Jew hatred, never has been, because it is exterminationist. There are a lot of groups that have been hated, a lot of religious groups, ethnic groups, racial groups, but it is very rare that the hater seeks to exterminate the group. Iran wishes to exterminate Israel. And for those who think it's just confined to Israeli Jews, there are so many reminders that that is not the case. Remember when the Islamic terrorists left from Pakistan and they went into India? And on their way to commit atrocities there, they slaughtered a rabbi in Bombay, in Mumbai. Why did they, why did they stop for a, a rabbi and his wife? Slaughtered them both. There's evidence that they tortured them first. Why, why did they do that? What is a rabbi in Mumbai have to do with enmity towards Hindus? Well, it's like the Crusaders on their way to the Holy Land decided to massacre the Jews of Germany. There has always been, and that is the phrase that I have cited so often from the Passover service, in the Passover service, the Seder, as it is known to many, there is the book called the Haggadah. I have a commentary on the Haggadah. It's like my commentary on the Bible. They're called the Rational Haggadah. Explains a great deal. There is a line in there that is probably at least 2,000 years old. The Haggadah is 1,000 years old, and the line is probably 2,000 years old, maybe older than that. In every generation, somebody rises to annihilate us. And the Hebrew is to annihilate, to, to put an end to us, not to persecute us, not even to kill us, not to enslave us, but to end us. Every, anyone who is pro-Hamas is, is equivalent to anyone who is pro-Nazi during the Holocaust. There is no difference. There is no difference. There was no attack on military. There was only an attack on Jews. Jewish grandmothers were murdered or captured. See the picture of the 85-year-old woman being whisked away by Hamas. For the Jew hater, the 85-year-old grandmother and the one-year-old toddler or baby is as much an enemy. The Nazis exterminated families, whole families. That's what Hamas did. They paraded the naked body of a woman that they murdered. I don't know what else they did. turns out to have actually been a German tourist. 
who was at this music festival where they slaughtered, massacred about 235 young people, wounded God knows how many others. Israel has 7 million Jews. The United States has about 350 million people. So 7 million into 35, what is 7 into 35? No, 50, 350. I'm, I'm wrong. So it's three, 7 into 350 is 50. Yeah. So it's approximately equivalent. Let's say 1,000 uh, Jews were, were murdered. So that would be equivalent to 50,000 Americans. We rightly regard 9-11 as a modern Pearl Harbor. Can you imagine what 50,000 would be? That was 3,000. Entire families were wiped out. Mother, father, and children. You have to see the videos of the celebrations in Gaza uh, where they they had uh, bodies, or at least this body of this woman which they kept beating, the dead body they would keep beating. The Palestinians essentially have produced nothing. What they have produced very well is a hatred, the likes of which does not have a parallel. Not all Palestinians by any means, but it's like not all any group, not all Germans, supported the Nazis. But it was fair to speak about the Germans as a statement in the 1930s and 40s until the war was over, understanding that not every German is being included. Part of the hatred of Israel is that it did take the same exact area and make it blossom. The great, one of the great stories in the Bible is a story where I believe it was Isaac who was able to dig wells and become somewhat wealthy as a result. And these people came by and instead of learning how to dig wells, they stuffed up Isaac's well. That's the story of, of those who produce and those who destroy. The destroyers hate the producers. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcasts square, and use the promo code Prager. 
There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code PRAGER. The world has a lot of bad things going on in it. It's funny, I read this remarkably stupid piece in the Los Angeles Times, and I didn't look who wrote it. I thought it was an editorial column. This is a foolish man who teaches Jewish history at UCLA. Jewish history, note. Very few departments have been spared left-wing idiocy. And uh, he uh, he writes... uh, the, the, the key words for the left, the cycle of violence, right? Cycle of violence, that's what it is. It's a cycle. Nobody started it, you see? It's a cycle. It's like when I was a kid and some kid would, some bully would go over to another kid and then the other kid would fight back and then a teacher or a parent would say, I don't care who started. And I remember as a kid thinking, you got to be kidding. You don't care who started? Isn't that like the most important question? The Jews accepted the partition of the area called Palestine. There was never a country named Palestine in the history of the world. Today's Indigenous Peoples Day, for those who don't want to celebrate Columbus Day, the indigenous people to that area are Jews. Jews preceded Muslims in that area by, let's see, 2,000... About 2,500 years. (laughs) So, the word Palestine was made up by the Romans after they destroyed Israel in order to de-Judaize the area. Palestine is a geographic area. It was never an entity in and of itself, but that doesn't matter. To the fools who write in the L.A. Times... Another path forward which requires bold and courageous leadership is again breaking with the old paradigm of eternal enmity. Yes, there's such a thing as eternal enmity. Read the, read the Hamas charter, David Myers, and the rest of you at the Los Angeles Times. Read it. They cite the Quran as, as ordering a, Mus- a good Muslim to kill a Jew. It would entail recognition by Israel that it cannot batter Palestinians into submission. It doesn't want to batter Palestinians into submission. It wants to survive. What an idiot. You know what we debated? I'll never forget. It was at UCLA. It must have been 25 years ago. This is, again, a professor of Jewish studies at UCLA to give you an idea of the rot, how deep it runs in the academia. And the debate was, Is there a moral difference between Israel and its enemies? And he said there was none. Yeah. A remarkable fool. Like the fool, another another, uh, Jew that I debated at Oxford, who's a former Israeli. The debate, you could watch it, you should watch it. Who's the greater obstacle to peace in the Middle East, Hamas or Israel? And this uh, former Israeli... 
the, said it was Israel. Israel was the greater obstacle. You should watch my comments. Just do Dennis Prager at Oxford. You'll find it on YouTube. Hmm. Bringing an end to the stranglehold of the occupation may be the best chance to break the cycle of violence. Really? Really? Man was a fool 25 years ago. He's a fool today. Really? So if Israel just said, okay, we know you're really good guys here in Gaza. We're leaving. Yes. That would break the cycle of violence. Academia gives the fool a chance to look like a non-fool. That's all it does. Fools with PhDs. Mo that's who teaches your children for the most part. Yeah, that's what it is. One must make peace with one's enemies and not one's friends. What a, that is really deep. That is one deep line. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I yearn, I yearn for peace. What Israeli doesn't yearn for peace? Weren't those Israelis that, who were massacred, those young Israelis, 250 of them, massacred for being Jews? Only for being Jews? There was no military aim here. The task was to murder as many Jews, grandmothers, babies, kids at a, at a music concert, I think the concert had to do with the, the, the peace. I wonder how many of them still think that uh, if, if it was indeed a, a peace concert, and of course these are well-intentioned, decent kids, obviously. People don't like, I understand it. It's very hard to declare evil evil. It's very easy to declare anti-evil evil. The left did not declare communism evil. They declared anti-communists evil. And that's what we have here in the Middle East. No, Hamas is not evil. Hezbollah is not evil. No, the, those who fight them are evil. Wow. Bob in Munster, Indiana, hello. Hello, Dennis. Um, I'm a long-time listener, as I told your screener, and it's the first time I've called. Um, I'm kind of emotional because I just am that type of person, so I hope I can contain myself here. Um, my heart aches for what's going on right now in Israel. Um, I'm a fairly analytical person, and I always try and find reasons behind the acts that people put on one another. Um, maybe I've missed something, or maybe there's really nothing to find uh, for the reason for so many, so many thousands of years of the hatred towards the Jewish people. What do you, what do you I, think? I, what, what do you think might be a reason? I, 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 this is not well, a, a challenge. I'm very curious where your mind has taken you. It's taken me to... Um, oh, you'll tell least. me, you'll tell me. Hold on, I, I, I got to take a break. I'm very curious. 
I wrote a book on this. It's called Why the Jews. Back in a moment. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. Rediscover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. And I am talking, of course, about the, the monstrous acts of the Islamists known as Hamas murdering as many families as possible, as many young people. That was the purpose, because their their desire as Iran's is to exterminate Israel, including its people. Bob in Indiana wants to know why thousands of years. Should I offer you my theory, or did, did you want to offer me yours? Well, I've uh, given it, given it uh, quite a bit of thought while I was sitting here while you were on break, and I want to thank you, sir, for taking my call. I forgot to do that. I feel that the answer is so obvious that, you know, I may have overlooked it and am searching for something to find of something that was done by the Jews to someone else when really it's simply pure evil. It's that's it's right. The devil amongst us. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you go. But that. I, that is right. It's pure evil. It is the devil amongst us. That's right. Evil focuses on the Jews. It is an amazing thing. How many? What groups that that massacred Jews were good groups that or otherwise good groups? That is why the non-Jew who does not learn that the haters of Jews. The, the annihilators of Jews will come after them next. I've really learned nothing from history. Hitler was dismissed as the Jews' problem. Tens of millions of non-Jews died as a result. Same here. Oh, it's the Israeli occupation. Really? So why did they want to exterminate the Jews before the occupation? Were, were the uh, were, were the Arab states pro-Israel prior to 1967? That people can believe that proves that people will believe anything, which we have learned certainly in the last few years. I quote in my book, Why the Jews, the Reverend Edward Flannery, a Catholic priest and a historian, very important book on anti-Semitism. It was Judaism that brought the concept of a God-given universal moral law into the world. 
The Jew carries the burden of God in history, and for this has never been forgiven. The, the Jew made something better. Envy is a, fa- is a very big factor here. You know how critical I am so often of my fellow Jews. So uh, th- this has nothing to do with chauvinism or anything like that. But generally speaking, Jews created something better than many of their neighbors. Like Israel versus the surrounding states. A functioning democracy a functioning judiciary, a functioning culture, an incredible economic miracle, and people hate them for that. It's not the only reason, but it is a big one. They're hated for believing they're the chosen people. You would think that given how tiny the Jews are on earth, the fact that some of them believe God chose them, which never meant Jews were better, the the Bible is more critical of Jews than any Bible is of its own people in the world. But that's the belief, and it bothered the anti-Semite, because deep down they believe it. The Jew carries the burden of God and history. Ernest von den Haag, a great thinker, wrote, fundamental to anti-Semitism a non-Jew, though seldom explicit and conscious, is hostility to the Jewish belief in one God, a belief to which anti-Semites very reluctantly converted and which they never ceased to resist. Anti-Semitism is one form this resistance takes. Those who originated this burdensome religion and yet rejected the version to which the Gentiles were converted, easily became the target of resentment. One cannot dare to be hostile to one's all-powerful God, but one can be to those who, who generated him and to whom he revealed himself. We'll be back. I'm Dennis Prager. Uh, Sarasota, Florida. James, hello. Hey, Dennis. Um, I was curious if your trip, I'm sure, is canceled in a couple of weeks. I was going to join you, and um, so extremely um, um, torn up about what's happening to them, uh, but highly disappointed that I won't be able to uh, join you um or we all can't go i'm I'm well wait unless you heard things that i didn't it is not canceled i am planning to go i I mean uh, and you know it's a day-to-day decision presumably but uh, there there is uh, i I intend to go i mean if the trip is canceled obviously i won't go but I intend to go. I hope. Are you registered to go? Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm ready to go. I'm just assuming that a, they can't wrap up a war in two weeks. Right, but the war will most likely not be affecting as so as it usually has not been Israel proper. Mm. So the uh, anyway, look if if they don't cancel 
I hope you consider going. My my view is that first of all, Israel needs tourism badly at this point. And the least I can do is be a tourist (laughs) and take 500 of you. Inspiration Tours, which is running it, will not not take a tour if they believe that there is a threat to uh, to the safety of people. They're They're not fools. So I would hope that those of you who have registered just wait for the decision to go or not to go. It is still two weeks, and a lot happens in that time. The wars in the Middle East don't tend to be long. It uh, it would be a real shame. People have counted on it. Israel has counted on it. I have counted on it. The real sickening aspect of their evil is actually visible. There is a video, I will have a link to it in my column tomorrow, of the monsters, the Nazi, the Islamic Nazis known as Hamas, known as Hezbollah, known as Islamic State. I mean, there, there are a lot of these people. And they are parading, they're driving through throngs of thrilled, jubilant, ecstatic Gazans because there's a a dead Israeli in the back of a pickup truck and it's almost a fully naked body of a female and she is periodically beaten by a large wooden stick, or not even a stick, a two-by-four, and while dead, the mother, there was a German tourist visiting, the, the mother in Germany saw this, and let's say my heart goes out to her. Do you realize whole families were were exterminated? More Jews were killed on Saturday in one day than at any time since the Holocaust. It was the most, I'm not talking about wartime and soldiers, but Jews were slaughtered for being Jews in greater number than at any time since the last group of Nazis slaughtered Jews. It went up a thousand. A thousand a day is uh, is Nazi-like figures. And the support that Hamas has on campuses, which I'll talk about later, that really is indicative of the moral cesspool that the left has created in the United States. I mean, this is really an example. If you can't tell the difference between good and evil in the Middle East, like the fool who wrote the the column, a professor of Jewish studies, no less, in the Los Angeles Times, 
cycle of violence. It's like the cycle of violence between the Nazis and the Allies. Let's break that cycle of violence, folks. Same thing. You know why Israel occupies any Palestinian lands? Because if they didn't, they'd be slaughtered. You get it? This is, is this not obvious? I think my video on explaining the Middle East, which is up again, it's a PragerU, one of the first videos I ever made. I think it's the most widely watched video explaining the Middle East. And I explained it. One side wants the other side dead. That's it. And this weekend proved it. If this doesn't open your eyes to how evil Israel's enemies are, Literally nothing will. Nothing. That this country has been able to produce so many intellectuals who cannot see the difference between good and evil is a reason for you not to give a nickel to a college, unless it's Hillsdale or something like it, and to very strongly reconsider whether you send your child there unless they're studying science, technology, engineering, or math, there may be absolutely no good reason to do so. These are moral wastelands. Woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. It ain't new, is it? I believe it's from Hosea. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show on a very bad day. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. You want to understand the horrors of this past weekend? One way to do so is to watch my five-minute video put up years ago at PragerU. I think it's the most widely watched video on the Middle East on the internet, in the world, for for good reason. And uh, I don't say this because I made it. I'm not, uh, not that big a simpleton. It's powerful, and you should send it to all those who are ambivalent about calling evil evil. If you cannot call Hamas and the Hezbollah and the, the Iranian regime evil, you truly have a broken moral compass. In fact, it's scary that such people exist. The, the, the difference is so great. The amount of lies you have to assert and believe to think that there is some moral equivalence, like the fool who wrote uh, this piece in the L.A. Times that I cited to you earlier, cycle of violence, morons. Yeah, a cycle of violence in World War II. Pearl Harbor, then, then we retaliated, then they retaliated, and now, oh, cycle of violence. You can't see the difference between good and evil in the Middle East. You are a very scary human being. You probably went to college. More likely, you probably teach at college. 
It is unbelievable. The whole point was to slaughter as many Jews as possible. There was no military a- aspect. Let us murder Jews, babies, grandmothers. See the, see the picture of the 85-year-old woman who was kidnapped by Hamas? 85-year-old woman. Just like the Nazis. Just like the Nazis. Every Jew is deserving of death. If you're one year old or you're 85 years old, it makes no difference. The Nazis murdered you, and Hamas wants to murder you. And so does Hezbollah, and so does the Iranian regime, and tens of millions of other Muslims. Not all Muslims, but tens of millions. You saw a preview. What would happen, as I ask in my video, if Israel laid down its arms? or if the Palestinians laid down their arms. In the latter case, there would be peace within a week. In the first case, there would be genocide. You saw what would happen if the Palestinians were allowed free run or free reign in Israel. Not all Palestinians. All doesn't matter, my friends. You don't have to be slaughtered by every one. Not all Germans were Nazis. Here is the video. It's five minutes. It explains the Middle East. It's at PragerU.com called The Middle East Problem. When I did my graduate studies at the Middle East Institute at Columbia University's School of International Affairs, I took many courses on the question of the Middle East conflict. Semester after semester, we studied the Middle East conflict as if it was the most complex conflict in the world, when in fact, it is probably the easiest conflict in the world to explain. It may be the hardest to solve, but it is the easiest to explain. In a nutshell, it's this. One side wants the other side dead. Israel wants to exist as a Jewish state and to live in peace. Israel also recognizes the right of Palestinians to have their own state and to live in peace. The problem, however, is that most Palestinians and many other Muslims and Arabs do not recognize the right of the Jewish state of Israel to exist. This has been true since 1947, when the United Nations voted to divide the land called Palestine into a Jewish state and an Arab state. The Jews accepted the United Nations partition, but no Arab or any other Muslim country accepted it. When British rule ended on May 15, 1948, the armies of all the neighboring Arab states, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Transjordan, and Egypt, attacked the one-day-old state of Israel in order to destroy it. But to the world's surprise, the little Jewish state survived. Then it happened again. In 1967, the dictator of Egypt, Gamal Abdel Nasser, announced his plan in his words to destroy Israel. He placed Egyptian troops on Israel's border, and armies of surrounding Arab countries were also mobilized to attack. However, Israel preemptively attacked Egypt and Syria. Israel did not attack Jordan and begged Jordan's king not to join the war. But he did. And only because of that did Israel take control of Jordanian land, specifically the West Bank of the Jordan River. 
Shortly after the war, the Arab states went to Khartoum, Sudan, and announced their famous three no's. No recognition, no peace, and no negotiations. What was Israel supposed to do? Well, one thing Israel did a little more than a decade later in 1978 was to give the entire Sinai Peninsula, an area of land bigger than Israel itself and with oil, back to Egypt, because Egypt, under new leadership, signed a peace agreement with Israel. So Israel gave land for the promise of peace with Egypt, and it has always been willing to do the same thing with the Palestinians. All the Palestinians have ever had to do is recognize Israel as a Jewish state and promise to live in peace with it. But when Israel has proposed trading land for peace, as it did in 2000, when it agreed to give the Palestinians a sovereign state in more than 95% of the West Bank and all of Gaza, the Palestinian leadership rejected the offer and instead responded by sending waves of suicide terrorists into Israel. Meanwhile, Palestinian radio, television, and school curricula remain filled with glorification of terrorists, demonization of Jews, and the daily repeated message that Israel should cease to exist. So it's not hard to explain the Middle East dispute. One side wants the other dead. The motto of Hamas, the Palestinian rulers of Gaza, is, we love death as much as the Jews love life. There are 22 Arab states in the world, stretching from the Atlantic Ocean to the Indian Ocean. There is one Jewish state in the world, and it is about the size of New Jersey. In fact, tiny El Salvador is larger than Israel. Finally, think about these two questions. If tomorrow Israel laid down its arms and announced, we will fight no more, what would happen? And if the Arab countries around Israel laid down their arms and announced, we will fight no more, what would happen? In the first case, there would be an immediate destruction of the state of Israel and mass murder of its Jewish population. In the second case, there would be peace the next day. As I said at the outset, it is a simple problem to describe. One side wants the other dead. And if it didn't, there would be peace. Please remember this. There has never been a state in the geographic area known as Palestine that was not Jewish. Israel is the third Jewish state to exist in that area. There was never an Arab state, never a Palestinian state, never a Muslim or any other state. That's the issue. Why can't the one Jewish state the size of El Salvador be allowed to exist. That is the Middle East problem. I'm Dennis Prager. You know, show that to anybody you know who is not not clear. Oh, well, the, the, the Hamas is just responding to occupation. Israel has a desire to occupy Palestinian land like you have a desire to, I don't know, occupy, uh, I can't even think of an analogy. I was going to say uh, a, a bunch of wasp nests. Yeah, that might be similar. 
You know why Israelis got complacent? Because they're far more interested in living life than in preparing for war. That's what happens. The bad guys are preoccupied with war. Very rarely are good guys. Back in a moment. When it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable, you can't afford to take chances when it comes to your health. Introducing the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit, the gold standard solution for your peace of mind. Inside, you'll find eight critical medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, z and more, accompanied by a comprehensive and easy-to-follow guidebook empowering you to take back control of your health. From tick bites to COVID to extreme bioterror events, you're covered at any time. The Wellness Company's chief medical board is made up of none other than Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Risch, and more truth-telling doctors who are committed to building a parallel healthcare system. This medical emergency kit will be your lifeline. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Secure your family's health today with the Wellness Company's medical emergency kit. Probably the, uh, I think the most objective source of news that I know of from the Middle East is the media line, themedialine.org, a Middle East news service based in Jerusalem. Michael and Felice Fritzen are the editors. And if I had one of the worst weekends of my life, Michael and Felice, it, I can't even imagine what you have felt I mean, when Americans may not realize that essentially the equivalent of about 30,000 Americans were slaughtered, again, virtually all civilians, to put it in American terms, and we correctly react to 9-11 when 3,000 were slaughtered. I'm reading in in the Israeli press that people are correctly noting that more Jews were killed on Saturday than at any on any day since the Holocaust. So uh, I don't even know how, where to begin. I know what I want to ask you, but why don't you just emote, <laughs> and and I'll ask you questions after that. Well, Dennis, it's uh, not the. Not the way we'd like to come and visit you. It's, uh, Correct. It, nobody's ever been this this place before. This is all new. This is uncharted territory. Not only did an un- unbelievable number of terrorists get into the country, but we don't know how many of them are still there. We don't know where they are. They're not all identified. They're not all located. Um, the, the bloodshed was beyond belief because each story, each killing, has a, a macabre story that goes with it. It, it just it multiplies the, the unholiness of, of everything that, that's happened. Police just came, and th- this compounds things too. We're now on the third day of the war, and the first comprehensive briefing by the military and the government just concluded. Police was a part of that. So some of those details I don't even have yet that uh, you'll, you'll hear from her. But I have to tell you, sitting here, a number of blocks from the old city with talk of 
see Hamasniks uh, trying to do through the old city what they did through Gaza. Uh, it's very unsettling, to say the least. And uh, I don't think there's ever been an incident where people are so completely um, on edge just believing that anybody they see is in Paris, any place they go is dangerous. Uh, we listen to the planes all day long. We didn't sleep last night because the jets kept us up. That's um, just a little bit of, of what we're facing, Dennis. Wow. Dennis, I, I can add the state of country is in a state of mourning. It's in a state of war. The brutality of the Hamas fighters that came into Israel, you can't even begin to imagine. The Foreign Minister Eli Cohen just got off with a briefing, and he visited this morning the southern towns. And one of the things he spoke about are two 10-month-old babies they found whose parents were killed in front of them. There were families that were wiped out with grenades grenades thrown into shelters, and then they they were swarmed by bullets. The stories that are coming out, and many on our site, themedialines.org, are just absolutely defies any human sense of decency. Uh, really, the, the foreign minister himself equated this as the only time we saw this was during ISIS and with the Nazis. So this is really what the Israeli citizens are living through with the death toll over 700, with uh, over 2,000 casualties at the moment. And actually what they're really working towards right now is securing borders, making sure that terrorists, Hamas terrorists, are not in the country anymore, and they still are, making sure that they understand and know who is exactly missing and who was taken uh, into the Gaza Strip as hostages. And this is one of the most serious elements of what just went down as well. Okay, I'm going to continue with you in a moment. Go, go, folks, to themedialine.org, the most, I think, accurate information from the Middle East in general. Themedialine.org. I'm Dennis Prager, speaking to two people that I have admired deeply for years, decades. They run themedialine.org. You want the most up-to-date information on the Middle East at any time, and certainly now, that is where you should go. So I, I, I have so many questions for you. You're speaking to, I, I don't think I made this clear, you're speaking to us from Jerusalem. So in light of, of the barbarity, the literal Nazi-like barbarity, the, the Jewish baby and the Jewish grandmother is worthy of extermination, exactly like the Nazis. And I, people overuse the term Nazi, which is its own problem. But in light of what happened, do you think that those in Israel who have thought, oh, it's the occupation, otherwise they're really terrific people, will rethink the issue? I don't think anything is status quo ante. Nothing. Wow. We don't know yet what's going to be, but these scenes, the descriptions, the testimonies, the the stories told about how people died, the people who who were miraculously saved while somebody standing next to them was murdered and and humiliated, uh, dragged through the streets or whatever they the particular sicko at that moment chose to do to to the uh, victim. 
nothing has changed. Nothing will be the same, including the belief on the part of border communities that they can live in security because if something goes awry, they can pick up the phone and call the Army, and the Army will be there to help them. They made those phone calls and nobody came. Um, That's not going to go away easily. The fact that there were gaps in the fence that's in such a live, dangerous area as as the Gaza border, and there were gaps that allowed the terrorists to come through easily, that's going to be investigated. Um, The fact that there's a report through AP that the... uh, the Egyptians warned 10 days ago, warned Israel that this was coming or something of some large nature from Hamas was in the works. But the, they say the Israelis were so tied up with what was going on in the West Bank that they ignored it. And this is what, what happened. Well, what does it mean they were tied up in the West Bank? Well, the West Bank has been a hot zone for quite a while. And there was a lot of interest that was shown on the West Bank issues, largely because of political considerations, both domestic and international. And um, whatever the, the reason, whatever went down, it seems that they're accusing the government of Israel of ignoring a, a, a hot warning. Additionally, the technology that was relied on obviously was not the way to go in this scenario. Israel relied heavily on technology. And Hamas broke through everything. They really had planned this very, very well on multiple levels. Everything was taken out. And there was no infrastructure in place. There were people that couldn't get any assistance for hours at a time. Even even the 3,000 young people at the music festival, when they were trying to escape, there was a woman who told us in Hadassah Hospital, and that piece is going up in a few hours, very, very important, where they hid under a car for 10 hours and couldn't get help. So many things here that happen require questions to be answered. But the worst thing of all is that when you look at this war, it's a war against civilians. It's a war very much to take out Israelis and send a message to the world. It's equi- I would say you can equate it as nothing, anything better than what we saw in 1948. And 1973 was a war against Army is not a war against civilians. Right. Yes, that's right. People should not make that comparison. By the way, I think I have a speaker on in the background, so make it lower if you would, because I want to hear you as clearly as possible. No. No? Sorry, I don't. I think the echo. Yeah. Yeah, some echo for whatever reason. All right, it's not terrible, but if we could get rid of it, that would be great. Uh, What Michael said is is my, my hunch. Nothing will be the same as before Saturday. Uh, I, I, so it's, it, I think it will take a very obtuse Israeli to any longer think this is a battle over land. This, this is an existential battle o- over good and evil, a, over the right of Jews to live there, period. You know, the video that I played from many years ago that I gave, one side wants the other side dead. I I have to believe most Israelis now think that way. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is there no way to know? Most Israelis are not coming out of their homes yet. Most Israelis are not having these conversations yet. Most Israelis haven't absorbed the, the horrendous photos that they've been seeing. 
Israelis who have been watching videos on TV have been doing so to try to identify members of their family that are missing. The way that they're making these connections is that some of the footage actually comes from Hamas, or a lot of it comes from Hamas, and people look at them over and over again to see if they see their relative being dragged through or pushed through or, or however they're doing it. They have to rely on that because it's the only source they have. That's what's going on here now. People are waiting to see if during the night tonight we're hearing the, the engines of the aircraft. We, and we know that the military planes because nobody else is flying right now. But um, we don't know when those planes stop, what's going to be the, the end result. We, and we don't know how many of the targets of those planes are otherwise targets to come into Israel proper and, and continue. In, in, for, for instance, in Jerusalem, as somebody who's going to be sleeping in Jerusalem tonight, I don't know if I'll be sleeping. Wow. Thousands of rockets have come into Israel. We had to be into the safe from ourselves, and many people have been killed that way as well. There's an extreme sense of, of fear right now. By the, by the, by the way, Dennis, a couple hours ago, we were um, having a meeting by, by phone with some people from our office, and the, the sirens went off, and we went into the shelter. We came out when it was all clear, immediately reestablished contact with someone who works with us to find that in his community— uh, a rocket fell, and the, the residue was 10 feet from his front door. And at the same time, elsewhere in the Jerusalem area, Abu Ghosh, they, they actually fired rockets that landed in Abu Ghosh. And Abu Ghosh is not a Hasidic, a Haredi, an ultra-Jewish Orthodox uh, neighborhood. It's an Arab neighborhood. And uh, one of the most old and Yeah, well, they, they couldn't care less uh, about that either. We'll be back in a moment. TheMediaLine.org. A great source of information from the Middle East. segment I'll be talking with them regularly over the course of God knows how long. Michael and Felice Friedson are the editors of perhaps the greatest source of uh, objective information and commentary on the Middle East, themedialine.org. You should definitely visit so you'll know what's going on. They are in Jerusalem, so let me understand now, uh, um, among the horrific consequences. So are, are stores closed in Jerusalem? Are people just not shopping, for example? Are they not going to work? You have many people working from home. You have schools closed. There were people going out for basic necessities. You, I'm, I talked about the word fear. There's a lot of fear. People are securing their homes, their buildings. They don't, they don't know, really know what to do is the sense that I get. It's sort of unprecedented. No one knows if this is going to become a multiple front war. So there are so many considerations to take in, into, you know, okay, into matter. It's complex. And right now it's going to be a long war. Everyone is saying this is going to be a long war. It's going to take many weeks. You're dealing with many hostages. You're dealing with unsecure areas, communities people can't go back to. 8,000 people were brought out of the South into a lot into hotels and communities so that they could live there. In the meantime, many of the homes were torched. 
not just blood all over, homes torched, people killed, multiple funerals. Think about the number of funerals that are going to take place. I explained to my listeners that in population terms, we're, we're, since we're talking about 7 million Jews, 350 million Americans, so it, it's, uh, what is it, 50 times? Is that 50 times 7 is 350? Yeah. So a 1,000 uh, Israelis would be equivalent to about a 50,000 Americans killed. And we had 3,000 on 9-11. So pe- people can begin to appreciate what you're living through. To say my heart goes out to you is, is so trite. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say. And I, I obviously am a man of words. I don't know what to say. I called an Israeli friend, and he couldn't even take the call. He just texted me. I'm with Dennis, my... you pegged it. Wow, you pegged it. Because everyone that I'm speaking to feels this sense of coldness, this sense of immobility. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a shock. The entire country is in a state of shock. And yet, the entire country has come together. Oh, this yes. Week ago, we were talking about that's, what was happening. That's right. That's right. Well, God bless reform. you. TheMediaLine.org. Forgive me. I want people to go to your site. Historians of the Middle East is on the line with me. He is also a former Israeli ambassador to the United States. I am honored that he took time out to be able to talk with me, Michael Oren, who has been on this program on many occasions. Are you in Israel right now, Michael? I am in Israel, Dennis. I'm in uh, South Tel Aviv and sitting in my you know protected room. Um, there was a building right in the street next to us that took a direct hit yesterday and was completely destroyed. So we're in our rooms. Wow. My family's in their rooms. My kids, my grandkids are all waiting for the next barrage. So, um, which shall be coming. Uh, that I can guarantee you. No profit, but I'll, those barrages will be coming. Well, since, well, there's no way to avoid the dark. So are, are is there a sense of dread with regard to Hezbollah as well? Yes, I mean, it's already reporting, already reported uh, fighting up north, um, and I, you know I personally would think it's very hard for Hassan Nasrallah, the head of Hezbollah, to sit passively. Um, mm-hmm. Even now, mm-hmm. when Israel is bombing Gaza, wait till Israel enters Gaza in a ground incursion, um, and that is a new ball game because Hezbollah is uh, by a magnitude of at least 10 more powerful than Hamas. It has 150,000 rockets in its arsenal. Uh, then there's also Hamas in Judea and Samaria. There's uh, Hamas cells within Israel itself. There's, there's radical elements within within the Israeli Arab population uh, in Israel will be facing uh, for the first time since 1973, but I think in more ways, many more comparisons with 1948, facing a multi-front war. trying to digest this I, I i you know i i'll be very open with you and my listeners i i never feel this but i actually sort of feel guilty being far from israel and protected I, you don't even have to react i just i'm just emoting no I, I feel guilty not being in uniform so you know take a number um <laughs> beyond that age but i 
I am doing what I can by interviewing uh, greatly. I um, interviewed all through the night last night and again tonight, um, trying to, you know, present Israel's position around the world, you know, on some of these very uh, liberal stations. It's already, the narrative is already, you know, Israel had it coming. Um, you know, the Hamas, these barbaric, vicious Hamas terrorists are referred to as, you know, militants. In my last interview, um, which wasn't a particularly liberal program, they were referred to as fighters, fighters, fighters who take 260 kids at a at a music conference and take them out and shoot them. Fighters that go into houses and shoot entire families, uh, drag them out of their cars and shoot them. Fighters that put children, Jewish children in, in chicken coops and cages and drag naked women through the streets of, of, of uh, Gaza so they can be spat upon and beaten. Um, those are fighters, aren't they now? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're mm-hmm. our generation's Nazis, as I'm writing in my column today. I mean, and I've never used the term about anybody, but I don't see the difference. Well, you know that I was just reading before you came on, the uh, Australian Jewish community was warned not to go to the Opera House in Sydney because there was a Muslim demonstration there and they couldn't guarantee their security. Well, I, 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 I proudly serve on the board of an organization known as Secure Community Network, um, which is an organization of about 90 former FBI and law enforcement officials, by the way, the vast majority of them not Jewish, who are committed to uh, guarding, uh, monitoring threats, intercepting threats to about 12,400 Jewish institutions across North America. And uh, I spoke with SCN today, and they're on high alert. They understand especially as this uh, conflict continues to escalate, um, that the threats to American Jewish institutions will become acute. Well, a generation ago it came from Germans, and this uh, generation it comes from Muslims. Obviously not all Muslims, but it was true about Germans. Not all Germans voted for Hitler. Hmm. There's no such thing as all. No, there isn't. But uh, the threats they had today, and I asked them about the current threats, actually came from... uh, from neo-Nazis. Really? Uh, but, you know, so, well, the, so the Nazi, yeah, well, there, there was a picture of a guy yeah. at a demonstration in New York at a, a, a pro-Palestinian rally hold, holding up a Nazi insignia, a swastika. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are They're the, aligned. Uh, we are the only the, people. The, 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 yeah, that, we're the only people who unite Nazis and Islamists. Yes. <laughs> it's the right and the left. Uh, you know, we, we bring people together, don't we? I sound cynical, but you know, I haven't been asleep in about 48 hours. Forgive me, but uh, it has been, we all, Dennis, we all know people who have been killed, who have been captured, who have been kidnapped, who are missing. We all know them. And it's like one phone call after another. I, I, ponder this for a second, okay? We've now tonight capped uh, top 900 dead in just over two days. That is roughly... 11 to 14 times what America lost on September 11th, 2001. That's right. I explained that earlier. The equivalent of about 40,000 Americans. That's right. Be 100,000 Americans wounded, about 8,000 Americans taken prisoner. This is the magnitude here. And um, we all have feeling. We're all reeling with this, including entire families wiped out. Entire families. Entire families. And, yeah, yeah. In, in the most vicious possible way. And um, 
And we're reeling from it, but what choice do we have? We're going to rebound. We're going to fight back. And if we have to fight a multi-front war, we'll fight a multi-front war. And we will hope and pray that the United States will be with us on this. Um, So far, all the indications are very positive. I, I was gladdened to hear that the the sixth fleet has not only moved to the off the shore of Lebanon, but the the fifth fleet has moved into the Straits of Hormuz, which is I think even more important because the you know, the great Satan quote unquote behind all this is is Iran and Iran 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 and um, Iran had a number of reasons for starting this uh, numbers it, it, perceived, it perceived weakness in Israel. Um, all right, we'll talk about that. We'll t- I got to take a break. I want to talk about that. Sure. What what Iran perceived? Sure, sure. Yes. Yep. Michael Oren. I wait. You're what? I will wait. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Thank you, Michael Oren, at his home in Jerusalem, at his bunkered home. Speaking to the former ambassador of Israel to the United States, Michael Oren, also one of the leading historians of the Middle East. I read his books. I have followed him for decades. We've never talked under such dark circumstances. He himself, as he explained, is, as it were, sheltered in his home. You say a rocket hit a nearby apartment building near where you live. Is that correct? No, the next street, yeah. Mm-hmm. Were people hurt? I don't know. I know. They were not. Why? They were not home? What, what, how did they avoid? I guess they're, I don't know. I haven't wandered out there. I, I um, see. It, it, it's quite eerie, Dennis. You know, we suffer from um, terminal traffic jams in this country. And uh, the streets are completely empty. Mm-hmm. Bellevue looks like a ghost town. Mm. Very eerie. Um, I, I remember... I remember visiting uh, Jerusalem uh, during the uh, Intifada. I don't remember first or second, and there were no tourists, and it was like that then. And every store I walked into, they just kept thanking me and my companion, Alan Estrin, for visiting. You, You suffer this periodically. So let's talk about... I'm, I'm hesitant talking about this because all I want to do is morally clarify what has happened. So without even necessarily dwelling, do you have a theory as to Israel's unpreparedness for this? I do. And there, there are you know, myriad comparisons between this current war and the war that occurred almost 50 years ago to the day, uh, the Yom Kippur War. Uh, and Israel was unprepared for that attack and surprised with uh, catastrophic consequences. And uh, the reason we were unprepared in October 6, 1973, was because the army fell victim to what we call in um, sort of anglicized Hebrew, conceptia. Conception was that, you know, the Arab army so so roundly humiliated six years before in the Six-Day War would never dare launch another attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, so deep was that conceptia that the, the intelligence officials simply threw out anything that contradicted it. And here, too, I was in government, and, and for a while I was actually in charge of Gaza for the government, and I saw the conception. And the conception was this, that um, Hamas had two hats. Uh, one was a jihadist terrorist group, and the other was a sovereign. It was actually the government of a, of a sovereign Palestinian state in Gaza. And it had to worry about sewage, and it had to worry about quality of life and education and all those boring things that sovereigns have to worry about. 
and that if you uh, incentivized Hamas sufficiently, if you, uh, if you flooded them with Qatari cash and you let workers into Israel so that you know, the, the government would have something to lose if a war broke out, that Hamas would focus on governance and not on terror. And we were wrong. We were wrong. We were, Hamas, I think, was aware of our conception and, and, uh, and built it up and thought to, like, reinforce it all the time. So really caught unaware. So I'd like to offer an additional, I, I, I completely accept that. I'd like to offer an additional theory. It is almost inevitable for peace-loving countries to become complacent because they're not preoccupied with destroying people. They're preoccupied with making a living, sending their kids to school, building hospitals, taking trips abroad, whereas Hamas is preoccupied with one thing, murdering Israelis. There is no other consideration for them or the Islamic regime in Tehran. So there's a built-in advantage. If I'm obsessed with A and you're not obsessed with A, my obsession will prevail. Simply, you're saying you didn't fall victim to the conception. You recognized Hamas for what it was, which is a medieval, vicious, brutal, barbaric terrorist organization. We fell victim to the belief that maybe Hamas preferred the cap of sovereignty. And uh, therein lies the disaster. Did you? For a while, yes. Fascinating. For a while, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I, it's painful for me to even no, say that. No, you, you're so honest. And, and it's, look, if you, yeah. di- if you did, then anybody could. And, yeah. and, and, and so what did you, so the thinking was, look, there were 17,000 Gazans working in Israel. Why would, why would Hamas yeah. want to jeopardize that? Yeah, precisely. And I was involved in that decision. It's now up to 20,000. Well, it was. And, uh, you know, they were bringing back, you know, fat Israeli salaries and, and, and social benefits uh, to Gaza. It's unheard of there. Wow. Michael Oren, O-R-E-N, former Israeli ambassador to the U.S. He hasn't had sleep and I'm very grateful to him. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. For me. Michael Oren, former Israeli ambassador to the United States and major historian, is on the line. And he is with his family uh, in his apartment in Jerusalem and not venturing out. There is palpable fear, as I spoke to others living or other Israelis prior to him. So. I, I want to read to you a, uh, a headline from Daily Mail that I just saw literally during the break. Hamas, Hamas announces it will begin to execute hostages and post video evidence online for every Israeli airstrike. That's exactly what I presumed. So I assume this doesn't surprise you. I'm surprised they didn't announce it earlier. Right. That's, a, that's right. What uh, took him so long? Yeah, exactly. What took him so long? Um, and it's a huge issue for us, of course, um, as we proceed to, I think, the amount of uh, ground invasion of, uh, of Gaza 
I don't see where we have much choice. But I, I, right now, I, you know, I can understand that being in the prime minister's shoes is not a place that anybody would want to be right now to make that type of decision. But the Israeli people refuse to return to the status quo ante. That's simple. We've done it uh, five times already, always with the same result, you know, doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of uh, insanity, right? Right. And in contrast to the, to the Yom Kippur War, where we did try to restore the status quo ante, we wanted to push the Egyptians and the Syrians back to 67 lines, now we want to change that status quo and drive Hamas uh, out of Gaza. Um, what that means exactly is yet to be seen, but it will be a brutal battle. And then the big question, and it's not such a question tonight because it's already shooting along the top, along the north, will Hezbollah join the fray? Will Israeli, will Hamas in Judea and Samaria join the fray? Will Israeli radical Arabs, radical Israeli Arabs join the fray? Um, and will this end up being a conflict uh, with Iran? Because, again, as I said earlier, um, the great evil behind this entire nightmare is Iran. An Iranian-American Jew who is a brilliant man and whom I know for decades and has a very clear read of Iran. He said to me mm-hmm. at synagogue on Saturday that uh, he is convinced that within six months Israel will invade Iran. And I would not mention this but for the fact that I agree with him. I don't want to say evade, evade but uh, there are other ways we can uh, grapple with Iran. I don't imagine the IDF is going to be marching through Tehran. No, no, um, invade, um, attack. Right. I should yeah. have said attack, not invade. Okay. Yeah, I, clearly, Iran stands behind this. Um, and I was, um, I talked about before about the conception, falling victims conception. Once I got out of the government, that was less <laughs> susceptible to it. And I've been saying now for uh, many weeks that um, Israel was heading toward war. And the reason Israel was heading toward war was because of Iran. Iran saw great weakness in an di- internally divided Israel. It saw a hesitancy, uh, isolationism within the United States. It saw... It feared. It, it feared the Saudi-Israeli uh, pending peace treaty and the, the prospect of Saudi nuclearization. Um, it feared, Dennis, the return of Donald Trump to the White House. And, um, you know, Donald Trump was the person who pulled out of the JCPOA, the person who assassinated Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Al-Quds force. Uh, they were afraid of him. Well, and, uh, uh, just let me say to my listeners. stabilized the entire Middle, if, Middle East if, by, if, by triggering a war. I'm sorry I interrupted. Yes, I'll finish my thought in a moment. You got it. I said that the Iranians believed, probably not unrightly, they could could stop this peace process between Israel Mm -hmm. and Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. um, and destabilize the entire Middle East just by triggering a war. So I was was only reacting, and I, I got so passionate I interrupted you, but the, I've said all of my life, basically, or my adult life, I, w- I don't want American presidents loved. I want them feared. Mm-hmm. I asked Neil and, Ferguson, um, the great historian, would, the, mm-hmm. would Putin have invaded Ukraine if Trump were president? I have no idea if the guy's even a Trump fan. And he said no. And, and you're, you're telling me now that Iran fears more than anything that Trump has elected. That's very, very well, revealing. He has demonstrably pulled the trigger. Um, and the, the Biden administration, um, and here, you know, I have great affection for the president and respect for his staff. I work very closely with them. I think they've, they've, they've acted very admirably and, and 
Foursquare, you know, Foursquare beside Israel during the current crisis. But they have came into office, um, you know, vowing to renew the JCPOA to reconcile with Iran. It's a very different message. And just recently, they paid Iran six billion dollars to release five American hostages. Now, um, you know, we now have a a precedent of a superpower paying off Iran to release hostages at a time when we have hostages. And what's the message? Um, That is challenging. It's going to be challenging. Will you be able to sleep tonight? No, I, I have, I'm completely booked till the dawn. Um, I've been doing all the the, the, the foreign media, um, um, and some of the some of the reporters have been, I think, more understanding than others. Um, our biggest, my biggest challenge is is is, is his uh, rhetorical lexicological because lexicological. I can't even say that at this point. Um, you know, they, they refer to these people as, as fighters and militants. Right, and militants. They yeah. talk about you know, they talk about twelve hundred people killed so far in this in this conflict. Yes, they the, the, together the all two. the terrorists. But innocent, they're innocent victims. All right, right? that's like you know nine eleven was three thousand and nineteen people killed. All right, um, listen, I got I got a break. I, I'm going to be in touch with you. God bless please. you and watch over Always. you. You're a special. Thank you, Nancy, to your listeners too. A liberal Democrat, not a leftist apparently, but a liberal, Richie Torres from the Bronx, called the uh, statement of support for Hamas by two scum in the Congress, Rashida Tlaib and Cory Bush, reprehensible. They blame Israel for the violence. For the violence. Yes, the cycle of violence, like the moron Jewish studies professor at UCLA, David Myers, and his equally disgusting piece in the L.A. Times. Stupidity doesn't know ethnicity. Well, apparently not. So we have Cory Bush and Rashida Tlaib and David Myers, mixed bag of fools. Cycle of violence. Yeah. Cycle of violence. These are Nazis, ladies and gentlemen, and if you don't understand that, you don't understand what is happening. They want to murder every Jew in Israel. I said this in my video for PragerU explaining the Middle East, the most widely viewed video on the Middle East in the world. You should see it. You should send it. It is as pertinent today, except today proves it. I said, one side wants the other side dead. And you saw it this weekend. Listen, I'm sorry to Brent, Neil, Jamil, David, James, Darren, and Mike. All of you have important things to say. But I, there's so much that I wanted to learn from my guests. The world will not be the same after this past weekend. That is the one certitude. And a big reason, not the only, is a perception of America as in trouble and weak. For those of you, including many on the right, who have argued, oh, America is, who who made America the world's policeman? All of my life I have argued, wait a minute, so the world doesn't need a policeman? Saying the world doesn't need America as a policeman is just like saying defund the police in Portland. There is no difference. When we're not the policemen, 
the monsters of the world rise up, and they slaughter grandmothers and babies and show it on social media. These people are proud of it. The one difference is they do it in the name of their God, who I promise you is not my God or your God. I will be with you tomorrow. And I can only imagine what I'll have to say then. Thank you for listening. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.